Nah, I don't. Hello, brothers and sisters. Can you see me up here? I had to get already. It's always like a, a warm-up drill to get here. Um, I'm always grateful to be here. You guys are the highlight of my week. So thank you for coming. What makes me feel good? Um, so let's just uh, take a minute to make sure we want to feel comfortable in the class to be able to ask questions, uh, communicate, share uh, anything going on with you. Let's make sure. So everybody take two seconds, turn to the person on your right and left, and give them a compliment. So turn to someone next to you and give them a compliment. I don't see the compliment going on over there, brother. That's, a, that's not a compliment. Okay, so we feel good? We all know each other? Okay. So great work, great work there. It is weird in the dark. I feel weird. I feel weird like I'm standing in the dark. Thanks. So this week's study, uh, we're still in Matthew. So we're in Matthew 6 and 7. And so uh, how many people have had a chance to do any of the reading? Raise your hand. Quite a few. Okay. Um, what I thought we'd do is just, what we always do is start with a little bit of context. Are you okay to do a little history lesson first? Um, I actually made, I wrote notes. Do you know how often I write notes? No. Never. Uh, and if I do write notes, I never follow them. So we'll see how this goes. But I have a lot of really uh, good thoughts for today that I was excited to share with you. So I. Do you read them after you wrote No. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't read them and I don't go by them. But I spent a lot of time writing them for some reason. Um, I, I, I guess we should start with the story, though. I, I, um, if you guys know I'm going back to school, I'm doing a theology degree and I'm finishing this semester's classes, uh, and I was taking a class in the Gospels, and so I wrote a paper um, on Matthew. So my final uh, project in one class was on Matthew, and I wrote about the first five chapters of Matthew, so I'm going to tell you all about that. I missed a point, so I finished that class, I already got my grade, and I got 99.4%, so yeah, I'm pretty excited, I'm pretty excited. I, um, Go Mormons, right? Be the, be the no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it was, it's been a really hard class. I have another one I am writing. I'm in a, a apocalyptic literature, so we're doing Daniel, and I have to write a commentary. Did you guys ever know what that is? It's like verse by verse. You have to go by and say what it means. And it's taking me forever. And at some point, I'm just going to make it up. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Daniel, Lion's Den, what do we say? You know, I'll throw in some Doctrine and Covenants or something for them, see if they read it. Okay. Anyway, so because I had been spending so much time in Matthew, I learned a lot of things, and I thought that it might be helpful to share a couple with them, and they were um, really helpful. I mentioned a few of them last time when we spoke. Uh, it was like a month ago, actually, when we met last with me, because we jumped to Luke, and now we're back to Matthew. Right? Okay, so Matthew, who was he writing to? Do you guys remember? We're not exactly sure, but we have kind of an idea. Who was his audience? Yeah, the Jews that are being converted. To the church, to the gospel. So he is the one that's the most like the Old Testament, and that is actually the reason why it is like the book next to the Old Testament, because it's the most like it. So you're all Old Testament and up, and you're like, I get all the prophets, and then you turn the page and you go right into Matthew, and it's the most like the Old Testament. It quotes the prophets the most, and things like that. So, so he's kind of writing to the Jews who are are interested in the gospel. So they are 
the saints, but probably um, being convinced of even Jews. So, so one thing that I wanted to point out that might help is where we are today. So we find ourselves today in a specific location. Does anybody know where we are in Matthew 6 and 7, in, in, in like geography? Well, we call this, this uh, event, this event has a name that we're doing, and it's called the, what was it, someone said it? Sermon on the Mount, excellent. A plus for all of you. I saw that Will knew what it was too. So you're in the Sermon on the Mount. So he's in Galilee, and let's, let's walk through the story for a second. Matthew tells the story in a specific order because he wants us to, to follow it in a specific order, I think. He's telling a story, and when we jump around, which is great, but we miss some things. So I, I wanted to show a couple of things that he's done. He sets up Jesus to be the new deliverer, the new Moses, the new Moses. So I'm going to tell a story, and you just think in your head if this is Moses or if this is Jesus. So I'm just going to tell a few story points. And again, you think, is this Moses or is this Jesus? I am going to look at my notes. So I'll stay around. Um, as an infant, his life was threatened by an evil king. What? Both, okay. So when was Moses ever threatened by an evil king? Evil Pharaoh. Yeah, evil Pharaoh. When was Jesus threatened by an evil king? Herod, also in the story of Matthew. Evil king, good job. Um, he was first rejected by his people. First rejected by his people. Uh, Moses or Jesus? Both. Okay, you're on to me. <laughs> you see what's happening here? When was, does, do you guys know when Moses was rejected by his people? When he first showed up, actually. When he first showed up, they were like, weren't you like the prince guy that hated us a few years ago? You know, they, they hated him. When was Jesus rejected by his own people? First day he showed up. When he first the first day he showed up. Yeah, do you remember he goes back to Nazareth? And he, he, he preaches in Nazareth. And he, he opens the scriptures and he reads Isaiah 61. It says, I you know, I proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm gonna heal the sick and proclaim the, the captives at liberty. And this is I'm I'm get this day is it fulfilled and they chased him out and tried to kill him. Okay? Both. Okay. Got it, both. <laughs> Fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Both. Yeah. Lori? Yeah? Can I just say something to kind of keep this in perspective? All right, hit me. I'm always in perspective. I think in order for us to understand, and this, this is, I think, is really critical as we, as we study the life of Christ. Think what you would do under the same situation Think what would happen if somebody came to you all of a sudden. I grew up in West Jordan, and if West Jordanite came to me and told me that what I had been doing was wrong, that I was here to, to fulfill everything. You might be able to take that. Like, that's yeah, crazy. I, I, and I think as we go along, we have the glory here, the, the opportunity of, of looking at that, of looking at this 2,000 years after it took place. So we, we kind of look at it and go, ah, yeah, we know Jesus, yeah. and we know the Jews are bad, and we know yeah. they did this. 
we know what they expected. They expected, and they really did expect somebody to come along that was more. Uh, okay, yeah. No, good point. And it, it is hard to remember what it was like for them, right? So Matthew is exactly that. Matthew is setting it up. But we might miss some of the parallels, right? Or we might miss some of the point. And the reason why is because when we get to the mount, we're going to see a parallel. I'm going to jump ahead. There are a couple more. Fasted for 40 days and 40 nights began his ministry by performing miracles, fed followers with bread from heaven. Oh, they're all bulls. Yes, a shepherd of Israel, both. The mediator of the covenant, both. Went up to a mountain and brought down a new law. Wait, what? Okay, so that's where we want to stop. So Jesus at this point has been... So it's both. So Matthew's setting up as this new Moses. And I think we see something interesting if we remember that. Watch this. So he goes out. He's tempted. Right? He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He goes out. And I never know why this goes out. He's tempted. He fasts. And then he crosses the river. Right? He, he is baptized. It works. It just doesn't work well. Thanks, Mary. So he's baptized, and then he starts calling his disciples. And at this point in Matthew's stories, he's called Andrew and Peter and James and John. And then it says at the very end of chapter 4 that he has large, he's healing people, proclaiming the gospel, and teaching. And huge groups of people are following him. So he's got these huge groups following him, and he goes to a mountain, and he's going to teach the new law. Does that remind us of Moses at all? When did Moses have a large group of people following him and went to a mountain and had the law come? Well, Excuse me. Let me change batteries in that. I'll bring it back to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Does anybody remember when that happened with Moses? When did he go to a mountain and what law did he get? Yeah, the Ten Commandments, right, Mount Sinai. And they camped out there for like a year, right? And so now, put yourselves in that seat. Now we're going to a new mountain, just the mount, right? And Jesus is going to give a new law, a new law, just a higher law, right? He's not going to get rid of the old law. He spends a lot of time talking about that. But he is going to have a new law. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. I know, we're doing the Old Testament. Why are we doing the Old Testament? Jeremiah 31, 31. Actually, let's do 33. Does anybody have Jeremiah 31, 33 that will read it for us? This is big stuff. Right. Okay, here it is. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. 
Thank you very much. Did you guys catch that? He's saying that he's going to make a covenant. And he says a little bit earlier he's going to make a new covenant. He says he's going to make a new covenant in the, in, with the house of Israel. And he's going to put the law where? What's different about this? In their hearts and on their inward parts. Okay. Yeah. So when we went up to the law and got the law the first time, it's kind of a checklist of do's and don'ts, right? Don't kill people, check. Don't steal, check, right? Right? Don't lie, check. Oh, you know, be nice to your parents, check, check. Right? You're like, I got it. But you can do those things without really being good, right? Yeah, yeah, you can, actually, right? It's not really that different. You're like, okay, checklist. Now, those are the top 10, and there are 603 more that you get in the Old Testament, okay? But the Lord's saying, I'm going to bring a new covenant, a new law, and I'm going to put it here. So now we come to this new Moses, Jesus, and he brings us up to the, Jesus. So we get with Jesus, we go up to the mountain, and a new, he's going to give us the new Jesus. law. Now you guys did Matthew 5 last week. So we're just going to continue on. Right? Matthew 5, any big takeaways? Who, who is this new covenant for? Who's this new kingdom for? Only the good people, right? Like the people that have really proven themselves worthy. Right? Those are who are, are welcome. No. No, it isn't. Who's it for? Oh, and it's not just all. He's like, if you're poor at heart, welcome, right? If you're suffering, come on board, right? If you're if you're troubled, you're part of the team. This isn't the varsity team. This is the everybody team, right? If you've struggled in your life, I want you in the kingdom. If you're poor, if you're poor in spirit, you're poor in, in checkbook, still on the team. If you've ever doubted yourself, welcome. You too. You ever feel like you've disappointed God? No problem. He loves you. You're on the team too. Different, right? So all of these people are following him. Go to Matthew 7. Very last two verses of Matthew 7. We'll read it out to you. This is the end of what he's going to teach. Does anybody have? Yeah, we've got it in the back. Matthew 7, will you do please 28 and 29? This is the very end of this new law. And this is how the people thought about it. Okay? This is how they thought about it. 28. And why take ye thought for your. Oh, rent? chapter 7. Chapter 7. One more chapter. Oh, chapter 7. Yeah, chapter 7, 20 and 29. Nice. <laughs> and the rain, <coughs> and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. Nope, we're still off somewhere. Matthew 7. Next verse. Next verse. Oh, thank you. Next verse, 20 and 27. Almost there. Oh, 28. And it came to pass that Jesus had entered these sayings. The people were astonished at his doctrine, 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Thank you very much. Sorry, I kept giving you the wrong first there. Thank you. Did you guys catch it? I think we miss the excitement and the electricity and the astonishment that the people had from this doctrine. They were what? Blown away. They were like, this is, this is, what? He's teaching, this is just different. John. Also, don't forget to look at the footnotes. Look at the Joseph Smith translation of those same verses. Well, tell us what it says. Just leave us hanging. Well, um, let's see. 28, uh, let's see, verses uh, 28, it says, uh, starting with uh, under 28a, it says, these saints with the disciples, and then it goes to the people. In short, he was, uh, this Sermon on the Mount was to his disciples. There were other people there who were not members of the church, but they were listening in. So these, uh, this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount was basically to his disciples, and then in 29 it says, uh, again, uh, 29a, footnote a, it says, authority from God, uh, authority from God, and not as having authority from the scribes. In short, they recognize the scribes, you know, excuse me, they recognize that Christ spoke as one having authority from God, his heavenly Father, and he just was not reciting things as the scribes and the Pharisees. Yeah, it's new. It's new. Exactly. Thank you very much, Sean. Those were really good insights, right? Thank you. But they're new. They're like, instead of just going, well, let me just read what the old prophet said, and here's what it means. He's saying new things to them, a new law. And they are absolutely blown away. Right? They're astonished. They're saying, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just welcome, hello. They can come too. So, so do we? Do we have that sense now? We we're used to it. Like you said, we've heard this before. You know, we have cross stitched it on pillows, right? We've heard these sayings before. But if we put ourselves back in their place and said, "Hey, we're used to just following this checklist of laws," and Jesus comes along and says, oh, this law is for everyone. And you don't have to feel like you've disappointed God. You don't have to feel like you're cast out. And just because you're different or hurt or maimed or tired or poor, you're in the, you're in the club. In fact, I can't, you know, come with me. And then let me tell you about the new law, the one that I'm going to put on your heart. The one that's going to change us in our inward parts. I'm just going to make a comment that I wonder if, if up and up to this point, so many centuries or so many years have gone by that the people were stifled. I mean, they were just, you know, they they were afraid to to speak up to anything. The Sadducees had the word, and that was it. You know, they they didn't have anything. And if you read about the Zionists, you know, I mean, these, these were radicals. Yeah. And again, we have to keep it in perspective that what would we, what would we do? Yeah, you know, we're, we live in a, we live in a time, time when we're not stifled. We're not stifled right. in the gospel. 
But keep that in perspective that they weren't they weren't allowed to think freely. Right. And somebody comes along and all of a sudden they're quoting a higher law, like, wow, this guy wrote the law. Yeah, this guy. I, I would say that. Yeah. He wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it. I think you've got that feeling, right? Do you get the power that this sermon is going to have? Um, it is exciting stuff, and it's hard stuff, right? It's easy to understand, but hard to do. Uh, but I, I like that. Um, one thing, I know it isn't in this lesson, but one thing uh, that really struck me this year studying the Sermon on the Mount was, um, have you guys ever felt a little bit like, I've made too many mistakes, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not the gospel scholar, or, you know, God kind of just puts up with me. Have you ever felt like that? Yeah. Um, Will's got a comment. You don't have to share if you do. I need to call you on the carpet. I'm not going to talk about me. I'm going to talk about somebody else. Yes. Oh, yeah, I hope, I hope it's not Karen. I had a talk with my kid brother. He was nine. And I, I said, do you want to go to heaven? And he said, I can't make it. I have sinned too much. At nine. <laughs> right, right. But I, I think we've all felt like that at times, right? I'm not quite good enough. I'm never really going to make it, this perfection thing. Or I'm not as good as brother so-and-so. Or I didn't serve a mission like sister so-and-so. I, I, I don't know how to bake, right? Whatever it is. For me, it's like, well, you know, I'm not married. I've never had kids. I'm like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I swear too much. I drink Diet Coke. I've got a lot of flaws, right? I do. Those are just two of the minor ones. But I think sometimes we feel like, at least I have felt like, God's a little, it's a little distant. I'm, it's hard to maybe get there because he's not going to, God just puts up with me. He's like, well, oh, Lori, I like it all, but I wish you wouldn't have blown it so much. But that's the opposite message that I read in the blessed are ye, right? Come with what you're brown. We love you, right? He loves us. And he's like, I know exactly where you are, and you can't disappoint me. Right? Even, Lori, if you can't bake, and I cannot, you're welcome in the kingdom. Blessed are ye who can't cook. Now, he might say something about swearing, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I've only sworn in one institute class. That's a lie. I swear almost every time. Okay. Um, okay, so any thoughts that 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 struck me that that this new higher law is one for all of us, and it's one of love and acceptance, and and that's where he starts it. Blessed are ye, and who is he talking to? The crippled, the lame, the outcast, the women, right? The ones that are marginalized in society, and he's saying, guess what? Guess whose kingdom is your kingdom? God's. You're it. And then he says, okay, now that we're up here on the mountain together, let me tell you what the covenant is, this new law, the one that's going to change you from the inside. So let's go to, let's go to chapter 7. And I'm going to skip around. Sorry, let's do the little video while i got it queued up. Um, I'm going to do the other video first.
Okay, let's watch this for a second. She's great till it isn't. Patience is a virtue. Of which I don't have. <laughs> So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to have, if you haven't seen the BibleVideos.org, they show the little, we've been watching them a lot, but they're the little snippets that they've been acted it out, and it's so nice to see instead of just read. So we're going to do the Lord's Prayer. So you, you know this one, but we're going to go to prayer as our next um, new covenant issue, new covenant idea. So we're just going to listen. Um, imagine what it looks like. Watch it on your phones. I know there's at least one phone here. They have their reward. 
Sorry, guys. We'll just read it. I know you can't probably hear it. Sorry. Um, let's let's read it. Um, you guys still doing okay? It's distracting. Okay. So in this new covenant, we're up on the new mountain. Everyone is welcome, right? Everyone is welcome. But here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do. And so let's do six. Um, let's, we're just going to do six and seven, but I'm going to start with six. Which chapter are you in? Six. 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 Matthew six. Verse six. So I haven't decided which one I'm going to do yet. Yeah. But uh, it's good you all know. It means you've been doing your homework. A plus for all of you. Except for Dean. Okay. Let's do this. Someone, let's just do, let's just do the uh, the Lord's Prayer. So let's just do 9 through 13. Somebody have that? Six, chap, uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You know it. And she's reading it in microprint. Oh, oh dear. Um, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Can you guys think of another example in the scriptures of someone actually praying? Not saying to pray, but an actual prayer. Can you think of any examples? Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Which dedication of Kirtland Section 109, dedication of Kirtland Temple. Good example. I hadn't thought of that one. Anything else you can think of? Nephi. Sacrament prayers. The sacrament prayers. We have those in <laughs> that section 20 and then the end of Moroni. Alma prayed for his his companions. He did, but we don't have. I was trying to give an example. That's a good example. I was thinking of when do we actually hear his words? I guess you're right. Uh, 17. Mosiah 17, right? I'm a 30. Okay, I'm a 30. Good, good. Okay, good example. What, any other examples? John 17. John 17, the intercessory prayer. Good. In the Old Testament, can you think of any examples? Uh, I, I can think of Hannah praying at the um, for a son um, in Samuel. Uh, some of the Psalms might be prayers, right? The Psalms seem like prayers. Um, but there aren't very many, right? There aren't very many actual examples that I can think of of how to pray. It just says to pray, right? But not a lot of examples of prayer. Um, and we maybe take that ad I don't know, a little bit advantage of knowing how to pray. Um, does anybody remember when they first learned how to pray? When I was on my mission, we had a little flip chart, and it, it you've probably seen it, they don't use it anymore, but it was like, you say, you know, Heavenly Father, and then it was dot, 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 um, we thank thee, dot, 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 we ask thee, dot, 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 in the name of. And so, 
we were challenging the investigator to pray, and that's exactly what they read. They didn't fill in any other words. They were, and they were just so overwhelmed. They were like, that was the first time I've ever prayed. And we we're like, oh, great job. So then we're like, okay, next time, you feel free to ad lib in there. So I, I just read it, and I was good to go. Um, but the prayer starts, the prayer starts how? Addressing him. Do you know the most popular way that Christ talked about God, how he addressed him when he spoke of him? <coughs> his father. His father. Yeah, exactly right. He talked to him as his father. His father. But that, we have a couple of references before that. But he really is teaching us, I think, something about our relationship to God. Right? This isn't we're just going and making some kind of, you know, bowing and doing something. We're talking to our Father. Does that change anything about prayer? What does it change? It makes it more personal? Makes it more personal? Yeah. Brings it closer. So do you think it fulfills the Jeremiah scripture? I'm going to change what's in your heart and your innermost parts. What's one way that Jesus is teaching is going to change us? The new law? Prayer. It's personal. It's to our Father. Right? right? Powerful, right? We for, we, I think, it, for me, I forget. We take advantage or uh, just get used to the idea that we are praying to our Father. It's, it makes it more comfortable, um, a little more impactful, maybe. Yeah. When I pray as a child, I repeat the prayer over and over and say goodnight and ask him to watch over me. But as you get older and he is your father, we share everything, the good and the bad, yeah. and ask for help and guidance because on this earth we need him to help us. Good point, right? Good point, yeah. One of the things I noticed when I studied this this time was that uh, I used to think that he was criticizing repetitions. This time I noticed he was criticizing vain repetitions because we have a lot of repetitions. The temple ceremonies are repetitious. The sacrament media prayers are repetitious. But vain repetitions mean worthless useless repetition yeah just empty and, and so empty yeah it's another good word so we don't need to worry about how often we pray or what words we use but just make sure they're from the heart and sincere and not vain yeah i that's a really great insight it isn't it isn't the repetition that he's cautioning against it's the emptiness of it when you're just saying it right it's when it comes from our heart it doesn't really matter what words we use or how we say it um, I, I think that's a powerful point. Anybody else see anything in, in the Lord's Prayer this time or in praying? We'll keep going on this, but well. This actually a question. Um, before Christ, would it have been common for people to have personal prayers? Uh, we, well, we know that they were commanded to pray, and if you think of the Daniel story, he's commanded, you know, Darius says not to pray, and he's thrown in lion dance for praying. Says he goes into his inner chamber and prays, 
And so it sounds like, and that was 600 years before. So it seems like it, yes. And then you look at the Nephites, like Enos, right? And Nephi went up into the mountains to pray. And I mean, they definitely seem like they were. Um, and they're definitely commandments to pray. So it seems like it. I just didn't, I couldn't think of a lot of great examples of a model of prayer. Like, how, how would you pray? Well, what do you say? Um, and so anyway, uh, that was kind of an insight. I was like, well, you know, we take, take it for granted that we have this, but, uh, but how would they have known? Right? I found it interesting that the Lord gave us the, the prayer and told us how to do it. But at the end of that is when he says, don't repeat it. Just don't memorize this and use that. He says, put your own words into it. Ask for things you need yeah. and, and thank the Lord for what he does for you. Yeah, and he says, after this manner, right? Like this is kind of the format you can use, but you don't have to say it. Um, yeah. I, I think it's okay if you do, um, but I think he's trying to say it's, it isn't about just the repeating, it's about speaking to our Father. He also said, don't go out in the street and pray on the corner and have people watch you go in your closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an interesting time. We're going to see a lot of that flip-flop, like don't, don't give out your charity where everyone can see you, you have your word. Don't just pray on the street corner, right, where everyone can see you. It's about changing the inside changing the inside. Um, anybody else have any thoughts on prayer? Yeah, Fran. I think this day and age, we're taught to personalize our prayers, and every time we do, we realize that God really does answer our emails. <laughs> he does answer an email. Emails. Neil mails. Emails. That's clever. Neil mails. Um, I've never been a great prayer. Can I just tell you that? I really like the scriptures, duh. But I've never really been a great prayer. It's something I, um, I'm i uncomfortable doing. Am I okay saying that? Do you guys, my friends, I can confide in you? Um, that it isn't something I turn to. I have to kind of check a box. Uh, I, It's something I'm still learning to appreciate more. Um, so these are powerful lessons for me. I mean, here I am not a young person, and I'm still learning how to pray, right? How to feel comfortable or how to make that a part of my practice and make it change me, right? I can certainly think of times where I was better at praying. I was more open um, with the Lord. And then there are times where I was a little, I'm like, I don't know, I'll just read my scripture, right? So I'm, I'm not, it doesn't come naturally for me. Um, I don't, I've never really thought about it, uh, why or why not. But it seems like some people are really good prayers. Do, do you know any of those people? What are the secrets? What what can you share with me? How do I become a better prayer? Okay, let's uh, let's start back here. We'll go around. Well, can I just tell a little story about myself? I was in primary. I was probably probably about uh, seven or eight years old. I, at that time, my family was not active in the church, but I liked going to primary. And one week, the primary president comes up to me. I still remember her name, Sister Joyce Herzog. And she comes up to me and says, John, I'd like to have you give the opening prayer in primary next week. So I go home and I get together with my mom, and she writes down for me what I should say in my prayer. Well, I was kind of nervous of what to say in the prayer, and I had that, and I had that, I took that little piece of paper with me to school, with the prayer already written out on it. I got up, 
put her down on the podium and, and read it verbatim. And, and as soon as I got home from church, somebody must have called my mother and said, because her mother met me at the door and said, why are you, why are you reading that prayer that I gave you? And, 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 you know, so put forward there, don't tell tales a little kid who doesn't go to church that often, <laughs> because yeah. that was me at that point. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, the thing is, is that's probably the trap that, you, you know, that some of the Orthodox Christians fall into when they recite the Lord's Prayer, is they don't realize that that is a model of how we should pray and not what we should pray, but how, but a, a model of how we should pray. Good. And that's something that I did not understand when I gave that prayer in primary when I was about seven or eight years old. Yeah, well, Gotta start somewhere. That's probably yeah, right. You do have to start somewhere, and, and, and you know, and don't let somebody gossip in your ward either. Tell tales out of school. Tell on a seven-year-old. Okay, right. so let's pass it. Let's pass it over here, and then we'll come back over here. So, in the sixty-four section of Doctrine and Covenants, it says the Lord requires the heart and a willing mind, and the that the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land of Zion in these last days. And sometimes we're always worrying about perfection. And we know we will never uh, get to perfection in this life. Uh, Elder Dale G. Redland said in an article he gave uh, a, a talk he gave two or three years ago that's uh, talking about a saint who, who is a saint sometimes we we, we we beat up on ourselves and we don't think we're a saint but he says a saint is a sinner that keeps trying so in fact that's the name of his name of his talk latter day saints keep trying I like that Okay, good advice, good advice. Gotta have a pure heart, gotta keep trying. Uh, we'll, well, and then we'll come back over here. I hope this isn't way off the mark, but Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof, he can teach us something about prayer because when he prayed, he was talking to a friend. And we could benefit from that. Yeah, no, I think a weird reference, but I think true, it's still true. But we, we read from the best books slash musicals. All right, let's go here. As, as we look in our minds at the crowd that Jesus was talking to, how many of them do you think had to walk in closets? <laughs> I don't. And I don't think any of them did. So Jesus was not talking about a real closet. He did not expect them to walk in and shut the door like it sounds like. Where is our closet? I believe it's in our mind, and we should be praying always as we think our prayers. And my best prayers are not spoken prayers. They are prayers in my heart and in my mind. And as I learn to pray that way and appreciate that this is working, I can hear him talk back. 
Whereas if I were walking into a real closet, I don't know that I'd be hearing much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, other than the rustle of clothes getting in my that's head. That's right. And There's not enough space in there. Um, but I think that's a good point. That where are where's our closet? Where's our private space? Right. We're not on the street corner. We're someplace where it's private, and we're speaking to our father, and we're sharing um, our own joys and our gratitude and our praises and our worries and our doubts, right? We're, we're doing all that privately. Any other insights from the Lord's Prayer? Um, any, anything that jumps out at you? I've never, uh, there's a, a phrase in here that I've always found odd. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. You guys know? Um, oh, Val. Well, it's, uh, it goes along with everything basically that's been said, but uh, with reverence, with the thought, with our minds as clear as they can be, not worrying about our sales tomorrow or, or the things that happened yesterday, other than helping to overcome and helping us to become as we as we move on day by day and the Lord we're we're talking to deity our our father in heaven and talk to him like a friend is what my feeling on on prayer. Yeah good advice. Uh, I like that. Any other insights? There's a lot of really good insights here. All right. Did anyone else hear uh, that the current Pope changed the Lord's Prayer in that one part about um, lead us not into temptation? He went in the news. Did anybody else hear that, or am no. I just? What did he change? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm teaching false doctrine. <laughs> That's all right. Um, the current Pope says the Lord won't lead us into temptation, and so he wanted to change that part of the Lord's Prayer and realized that it was should be different, read differently. Yeah. Um, some of the scholars think that is, you know, like Abraham is led to uh, a trial. The word temptation in English is always negative. It's always, you know, you wouldn't say, hey, I saw you at work today and I was tempted to give you a nice compliment, right? Um, it, it's, it's more of a word of, uh, English doesn't do it justice, it's more of a word of trial or a test. A test isn't good or bad, but it does tell you about yourself. And it's better translated, I think, lead me not to the test, right? Um, like Abraham with his son, right? We're all gonna have tests, and it's like, when I get to the test, help me through. Right. Yes? I just noticed that Joseph Smith was far ahead of the poem. To, yes. You noticed uh, uh, down here again in the Joseph Smith translation, uh, footnote A, thir uh, chapter 13, no, verse 13, excuse me, uh, footnote A, it says, and supper is not to be led in temptation. And then under footnote B in the Syriac interpretation of the same verse, it says, do not let us enter into temptation. And then under footnote D, same verse, uh, uh, in, in the Greek Septuagint, it says, 
but protect us from the evil one. So, uh, you know, the Pope may come out with that inside in 2018, but Joseph Smith was ahead of him. Yeah. I, I'm, he probably read that. Yeah, he has the Joseph Smith translation. Yeah, it is an odd, it is an odd phrase. Um, it is an odd phrase. What, yeah. um, from the, uh, the New Testament study guide, I want to read what it says. It says, the Lord does not lead us into temptation except in the sense that he has placed us here in a probationary estate where temptation is the order of the day. We are here in mortality to be tried and tested to see if we will keep the commandments to overcome the world. Yeah, I think that resonates with me. Like it's, we're in the test, right? This is the life is a test, but deliver me from the test, right? Help me through my trials, right? Any other thoughts, you guys? We're about out of time. We've only done a few verses. Val? Uh, just a word of counsel from your elder. Practice it and do it. All right. Thank I asked for advice, so I got it. If you have any more advice for how to make Gloria a better prayer, or let me know. Practice it, do it. Um, brothers and sisters, I am grateful for our Savior. I'm grateful for the new covenant and the chance that we have to change our hearts, to become different inside and to be welcome in his kingdom. Uh, that's my testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Any questions?